live and direct coming at you from our mysterious headquarters in a mysterious location. That's right. It's time for another episode of Cartoon Violence as a podcast. I am your super duper forever host, Professor Robot. And I am your sometimes mostly always host, Dr. Octave. And this month, we are very, very pleased to be joined by the one, the only, the wonderfully fantastic, magical being that is known as Petroform. Woo! Hi. So excited. That's that's what people don't know. How People don't know what an intense guy Petroform really is. It's super intense. <laughs> It's a nonstop thrill ride. It's like having Six Flags Great America in your in at your disposal twenty four seven. I do not sleep. That's right. He's just that intense. Actually, no. Uh, you are you're a very nice young man. You're very polite and very reserved. Um, which is, you know, and your music is just so high energy. Is that where you get it all out? Just leave it all out on the dance floor, so to speak. I suppose you could say that, yeah. Yeah. Um, for people that haven't heard your music before, how would you describe it? Well, a lot of the time I like to describe it as just the highs and lows. I think on my website or some other platform, I've I've described it as alternately high and low energy jams. Like just fluctuating between the two? Yeah, most mostly for the most part, because I have fast songs and I have slow songs. When I play live, it's usually the fast songs, so you don't get so much of the slow stuff. But uh, throughout my discography, I do change it up. Now, when you do the slower songs, do you also tend to make them more minor key? Or do you play up like you have fast songs that are minor key as well? Uh, with the slow stuff, yeah, it generally is in minor key. <laughs> uh, the, su- the subtle shaping That's... of the perception of your music. But, I mean, you use, I, I, you know, well, uh, I, I'm going to hold off a little bit here because I want to wait until we really start digging in to the new album. But, like, to me, like, your your music is sort of the soundtrack to the game that is my life a lot of times, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, like I mean, we know a lot of chiptunes artists, but like, I I don't know. There's something, something. If I were to make a game about myself, I feel like you would be the the guy that I would go to and be like, we're gonna make a brawler. It's just gonna be me and like maybe three player, four player co-op. We just go around like River City Ransom, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle style, and beat everybody up. And um, and this would be the music I would put on. In a lot of cases. Thanks. I, I love Ninja Turtle beat up games. So that is a compliment of the highest order. Yeah, I feel like it really comes through like who are who are your like your big like video game music influences? Because, I mean, there's definitely a lot of stuff that, you know, comes from outside of that. But I, you know, I hear things and I'm like, oh, that reminds me of playing this game. On the Nintendo or the NES, uh, like, yeah, I specifically get that Ninja Turtles vibe a lot from your music. I think I've, I've told you as much before, but not on this podcast. 
<laughs> well, I, I would have to say, as far as video game music, number one, uh, David Wise, for sure, who is known for uh, doing a lot of music for Rareware back in the uh, 90s and perhaps late 80s, too. Uh, Donkey Kong Country being the obvious one. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street on the NES, which uh, a lot of people don't care for that game very much. But uh, not only did I find it pretty fun, but the music in that game is very good. Yeah, Donkey Kong Country had great music. For really real. Good sound effects, do, too. Do, do, do. Yeah, those barrel shots. Mm-hmm. You just man, that forever. Was like, that was like one of those first games for the platform where like all the graphics and the sound and the gameplay like really hit at, at a top level. Like it was using it looked. Were they using like double resolution sprites or things? Because it it looked sharp. Yeah, it was the first. It was like the first game by Rare for Nintendo, wasn't it? For the for the Super Nintendo, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'd have to look that up. But yeah, it was like a they used some like you know 3D rendering technology mm-hmm. or something that was like totally mind blowing for the time. Mm-hmm. Man, that's you know the pre-rendered sprites and all that stuff. You started seeing that pick up with Donkey Kong Country, and yeah, then you yeah. know with Resident Evil with the pre-rendered background stuff like that. As far as Rare goes, Rare was developing games on the NES for sure because uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was a, a Rare game. But uh, Donkey Kong Country, I think that's the first time that they were uh, allowed to use uh, Nintendo's IP. And it, it worked out for them. <laughs> we can say that much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, now they're, I think they're owned by Microsoft, ironically enough. But, but you know, we didn't really come here to talk about the history of Rare. We came <clears throat> to talk about you, and you've got a new album out. Don't worry, you're great! Exclamation point. It is, and it is an adorable romp, I must say. I've listened to it a few times now, uh, in preparation of the album or the uh the podcast rather i've listened to the album several times now and uh it's just grooving uh so what's like there definitely seems to be a theme and i i hear i hear stuff you know kind of being spliced in throughout the album overall and then like the last three songs are all kind of a continuation of each other like what was what were you going for like influence wise with this one influence wise i would have to say uh you know it's a very upbeat positive kind of you know fast-paced album for the most part and uh, a lot of where i picked that up from was just in my you know teen and preteen years when pop punk was still really big especially you know stuff like uh, newfound glory would be the would be the probably number one there so like is that the message then would you say like don't don't worry you're great here have some music have some fun relax just rock it out get it out of your system you'll be all right there yeah there's definitely a lot of uh getting it out of your system there you said earlier that you know a lot of my high energy stuff you asked me if you know that's just me getting it out of my system yeah it is and uh i i suppose you could apply that to this album as well uh what I wanted to do with this album more than anything was to be kind of an album that had a message of reassurance about oneself and one's ability to find happiness 
because uh, for the last year or so, maybe a little bit more than a year, I, I've actually been suffering from uh, depression and it was diagnosed. So for a lot of this uh, album's you know, composition, I was just trying to get some happiness not only out of my system and onto the record, but trying to find happiness in writing the music and hopefully through the message of the album, it could help someone else. Largely, uh, I wrote it for myself. I was trying to tell myself, you know, don't worry and it'll be okay. And that's where a lot of the, the lyrics kind of come in there. But with that, I was hoping that if I could write songs to make me happier and make me feel better, then hopefully other people could enjoy that too and find something in it. Uh, well, so this was kind of like your your coping mechanism of dealing with like the prognosis and the depression. What would you say then? I mean, yeah, I mean it was it was a coping mechanism for sure. Uh, I had actually written most of the album before being clinically diagnosed, and I was not on medication. I wasn't seeing a therapist or anything like that, so it was you know, one of my very few coping mechanisms that I had. Um, but how have you been, how have you been doing since then? It, it, you know, it's, it's been rough because it's always there. I mean, I am, you know, I'm, I, I've sought treatment. I'm getting a little better, you know, taking every day one step at a time. And uh, I'm really glad that people seem to be enjoying the album and more importantly, that it seems to be helping them. So people have come and told me that the album, you know, meant something to them or made them happier. And I, you know, that's that's what I was going for. And I really appreciate that. And I really am moved that I was able to do something like that for, for some people. Yes, and is that, that's got to be therapy for you too as well, right? Like that, that, that makes it all, all worth it. Like this, like helps with the struggle, so to speak. Yeah, you could say that definitely. I mean, you know, a lot of the depression, you're often down on yourself all the time. And, you know, you have a pretty negative outlook. Uh, but getting reassurance like that, it's always helpful. And I appreciate it. Yeah, like looking looking back, like on your music, like pre-diagnosis versus this stuff, which is kind of like a trend was like for a personal transitional period for you. Like, does do you kind of go back and be like, okay, this all kind of makes more sense to me now. Like, why you wrote certain things or, you know, went with a certain style at the time? Uh, before the composition of the album, not especially because uh, when I was at, you know, my worst, I just wasn't writing. I didn't have the energy for it. And I would have to, you know, kind of, it's kind of a feedback loop where since you're not writing anything, you're not getting anything positive out of what you would uh, be getting if you were writing music. And it was like that for quite a while. Um, I, I can't say that uh, my compositions before the album were affected by that, just because there were not very many to speak of at the time. Uh, the only thing that I had released between my last album, Veneer, in February 2014, and this was, I believe, just one single called Grey Maneuver, and it was a chiptune song. And you can, you can kind of hear the depression, I suppose. I don't want to say it like that, but uh, you, can, you can hear the kind of the tone of the music for that uh, particular single.
Like you hear where you, like you can hear the your mental state at the time, sort of like. Well, does it like main when you hear it? Does it take you back to like that moment and like you kind of? I don't want to say relive it, but recollect it have heavily, I guess. You know, honestly, I wouldn't say so that much, just because you know things change so often. I experience new things every day, so. When I listen to that song, I don't really go back into that moment in time. It's just, uh, I just see it as something that I did. And for the most part, I feel, I feel that way about a lot of things that I write. Usually whenever I release something, everything I did before that is just something I did before. So you're just constantly moving forward. Yeah. Onward and upward. Onward and upward. So, so yeah, like, uh, so things have been going well for the new, for the new album then, I take it? Yeah, for the new album, it's, it's been, uh, it's been, uh, a pleasure since the release, you know, it's, it's, it's done well, I'm proud of it, I'm happy with it, and, uh, people seem to enjoy it, and that's all that I can ask for. That's great. It's cool that it could be used as a music therapy uh, to perk people up if you're going to self-medicate like either making or listening to music is uh, better than well, a lot of things i mean music is therapy yeah it's always it's i mean at least for for me it's therapy definitely and it has a huge effect on my mood like and i will i'm very selective about what i'm listening to and why i'm listening to it right you know so, uh, Petroform, how did you get started in music? Like, did you start on an instrument? Did you start fooling around with trackers? Well, I would say the very, 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 very first experiences I had, just uh, not specifically writing music, but just performing music and playing around. Uh, my father was a solo musician who performed with uh, a lot of uh, MIDI instruments and MIDI synthesizers. He would have a guitar and he would play shows uh, with his guitar, but with a backing of, uh, generated by a MIDI synthesizer, which would uh, it would have patches for all of the general MIDI instruments. And they sounded pretty good. So he, he had a, a backing band and a synthesizer, you could say. And uh, he would always let me play with, you know, the keyboards and stuff. So I picked up a little bit of keyboards. And to this day, I can do a little bit, but not that much. And he would arrange his own uh, backing tracks, you know, through MIDI with uh, the software Cakewalk, which uh, I'm not sure if it's around anymore. I know it was around for a while, but that was kind of the MIDI sequencer in the 90s, as far as I can uh, recall. Yeah. Uh, I remember Cakewalk and SoundForge. Oh, yeah. Those are the days. Before Back Pro Tools day. had actual MIDI support. Or Could you imagine that? Was at least accessible was, on the desktop. So it was just a fad. So is this how you? So did you learn music theory from your father then? On how to compose? I wouldn't say so. I mean, most of what I know is just because I was uh, able to just uh, sequence MIDI files with the uh, Cakewalk and the MIDI synthesizer, such that you know it actually sounded somewhat realistic, and that just got me you know, going creatively, even if, you know, I was just a kid, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was starting to learn just how to sequence MIDI and play it back and compose like that. 
I'm not actually a huge music theory person. I'm not very well educated on music theory strictly. Uh, all of what I know is basically just uh, playing around until something sounds right. And by this point, you know, I can, you know, pull off music theory tricks that I don't know the names of, even though they're probably very basic things, just, you know, the the mechanics of chord changes that works and stuff like that. I, I, I don't really know the names of those things. I don't know much of the theory behind them. I just know that if it sounds good and works, then I'll go with it. That is, uh, that is very surprising to me because, like, when I listen to your stuff and I listen to, like, the way you arrange stuff, it's really sophisticated to me. And, and I, like, I you know, I hear it and I'm like, man, if you put, like, this instrument in here and this instrument in here and, like, you know, took this arrangement and, like, put it on different instruments, like, it, you know, it would just uh, be just as dope, so to say. But, like, uh, you, I feel like it has that quality, I guess, to go beyond sort of just, like, your average bloopity bleepity blurp stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would attribute that mostly to just, like I said, being able to sequence for uh, a lot of different instruments through the uh, general MIDI synthesizer. So I got a feel for what instruments worked and what didn't. When you were doing that, like... Were you were you a young kid then when you were playing with your dad's stuff? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was very young. Like, what kind of music were you exposed to then that you were sort of emulating or, or pulling from when you made your own things? Well, at the time, you know, when I was very young, I I'd like you know the pop music at the time, and then new metal came into existence, and that became the thing for a while. So my favorite presets were Overdriven Guitar and uh, the uh, Channel Ten drums and you just go wild with that for a while nice so you've been composing now for like what like 10 10 years 20 years then at this point the first stuff that i put to record uh was released in either late 2006 or early 2007 i don't even have copies of it anymore but i remember that's when i started you know putting down tracks and started uh, getting into that. As far as just like saving MIDI files and stuff, probably before that, probably long prior to that, I was probably doing that in the very early 2000s, maybe even prior to that. Nice. So you kind of, you, you, you know what it was like before like the real, real, real digital era hit then. Absolutely. Like, you know about globalization, <laughs> having to like, go into like all of these different settings just to get like all your like external sound banks to work with your Korg Triton. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Those were the days. Yeah. I wasn't working with a whole bunch of hardware. It was just one uh, MIDI synthesizer that uh, you would uh, use the, uh, the, the MIDI ports for. And I believe my father had uh, either like uh an adapter for MIDI ports on the computer that enabled them to uh, interact with it. But that, that was the only hardware I ever used at the time was just a standard MIDI keyboard and a Sultan, I don't remember the model number, MIDI synthesizer. 
so I wasn't uh, going crazy with uh, pedals or anything like that or or more hardware than just literally one synthesizer that was hooked up to Cakewalk and can just make Cakewalk sound better than General MIDI. And what is your, so what's your, what's your rig like now? Well, right now I use uh, FL Studio 12 for arranging stuff. Uh, other than, you know, tracking out the chip tunes, I use a zero CC Tracker, which is a branch of Tracker. which uh, Famitracker, if listeners are not familiar with that, is a application that allows you to compose music within the limitations of the NES. So I'm using a branch of that software to write the chiptune parts, and usually I throw it into FL Studio to arrange it, uh, add extra synths, effects. It's always software synths. I don't actually have any hardware synths. I don't have enough money for that, unfortunately. I wish I did. Um, but I mean, when you're when you're going with like a lo-fi sound bank, anyway, right? Like, you're probably good to go with, like, that sort of stuff. Yeah, usually. I mean, uh, I got a uh, Focusrite Scarlet. I think it's a 2i4 or whatever. I got that to, so that I could use that in live settings. But I use it at home, too, just for an interface for microphones and guitars and stuff like that. So that's, that's my daily driver as far as uh, sound card needs, I suppose. Like, I don't really hear a lot of, like, live instrumentation incorporated into your stuff. Is that something that, like, you're, you're trying to do more of or are interested in kind of expanding with? From time to time, yeah. I I enjoy throwing guitar in there sometimes. I'm not a terribly good guitar player, so it's usually just, you know, very, very tiny quick licks or a couple of power chords. I know there's at least one song on the new album that I, I laid down a couple of guitar chords on, but that's about it. Uh, as far, you know, I, of course, with like the vocoder stuff on the albums and the tracks, yeah, I use a microphone, of course, for that, which is, uh, you know, rigged up to the same piece of equipment. But as far as live instrumentation, uh, it's usually just guitar at this point. I don't uh, I don't play anything else live into the sequencer or anything like that and uh, it usually takes me quite a few takes just to lay down the licks and power chords such that uh, I wouldn't be confident doing it on stage quite yet. Is that something you're you're feeling like getting to one day live? We'll see. I don't know. I mean uh, if I play guitar for too long it messes with my wrist a little bit. So uh, I don't uh, care to push it too hard, and I don't know if I could actually get through an entire live set, you know, uh, rigorously playing guitar. But uh, you know, I don't know what the future is going to hold. If I keep practicing, maybe I'll get to that level. But uh, for now, I'm I'm content to just lay down some stuff sometimes on the recorded tracks. And then live, you can jump around and wave your arms. Yeah, and I that's what I have to do to get to people engaged because uh with you know songs like mine where there is no live instrumentation you know i can't really shred on the midi controller too much so i gotta get a little bit creative with that you all you throw out glow sticks all the time every show i've got i get a glow stick from you i feel 
Yeah, I do that pretty often. Uh, usually only when I have a feel on the venue and I know that it's going to actually be dark and they'll turn off the lights for me, which doesn't always happen. <laughs> Man, so what was the last show you did where they where you had the glow sticks and they wouldn't turn off the lights? Just describe that. Describe that to me. Um, <laughs> it was probably the last. Uh, California Extreme I played where the lighting it, it, I guess the lights weren't like on on but uh, it wasn't the best glow stick environment I want to say that was a couple of years ago but that was all that's like all hotel union staff right yeah they're just they're just there because they gotta be there not that unions aren't great. I don't want to end up like buried in a football field. <laughs> don't worry, unions are great. Unions are great. Doo 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 doo. Sha na na na. That's your listen. Doc, I feel like I've been asking all the questions uh this podcast. I wanna let you get some more in there. Um No, I think I think we we asked a lot of music questions. Um I know uh, a lot of your stuff has got like like a happy hardcore vibe. Was that an influence on you a lot? Yeah, I liked happy hardcore a lot, a lot, a lot in high school. Uh, I, I'm not really in touch with the scene these days. And even back then, I wasn't uh, much of a raver or anything other than I just really enjoyed the music. Uh, prior to getting into chiptune, I did produce a lot of happy hardcore and I still do from time to time, but it's been quite a while. I think the last time I ever released something in that vein was when I was doing uh, my like hardcore bootleg remix side project, which I haven't uh, engaged with in, I want to say, almost three years now. But yeah, that was definitely an influence on me. It's definitely music that I've enjoyed you know, throughout uh, my formative years. Yeah, so, I remember one of the first MP3 albums I ever downloaded was some European happy hardcore collection. And I, back when a hard drive space was like a rare thing, I actually copied it to cassette and then deleted it to save space. And I would listen to that cassette of happy hardcore downloaded <laughs> from MP3s when I would walk to work. Those were the days. Damn, bro. That's some hardcore hacker shit, bro. So I got some respect for the happy hardcore influence in, in your music. You done gone and hacked the Gibson. I did. Dude, but wait. So now I want to know, like, did you, were you a raver? Did you go to raves? I know you said that you, you weren't much of one. But that implies that you did go out and check out the San Francisco rave scene, like, back in probably, like, probably at its pinnacle, right? Not one um, bit. Ah. Uh, I wish I wish I could have gotten more involved, but you know, at the time I was in high school, I didn't have any money to do those sort of things, and uh, where I was is just uh, not a lot of raves going on. You would have to go up to, you know, like you said, San Francisco, Oakland for that kind of stuff, and that just wasn't in my range at the time. Man, I remember when they started calling raves parties. That made me feel old. <laughs> Like, it's like people don't, do people talk about going to raves again now? Now that, like, things are retro, are raves coming back? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story regarding that. So, uh, I was, I was born in San Jose, but, uh, I have 
been living. I was raised in a small town south of there, and we don't have a whole lot of live music other than just like blues and country, your standard fare like that. So there's one venue in town that does uh, quite a lot of uh, cool music events kind of outside the box for that uh, type of environment. Uh, very recently, they had a rave that was uh, put on by uh, some some other, you know, promoting company or some group of promoters. And I was like, oh, cool, there's a rave going on in my small town, so I'm going to go over there and check it out. And I did, and it was very fun. And I was expecting, you know, rave music. I was expecting happy hardcore. I was expecting, like, you know, gabber and stuff like that. But it was 100% bass music like modern bass music, not a bit of happy hardcore or anything like that. And I was very confused. I looked at my, you know, 21 and over wristband and I looked around the room and everyone else had the under 21 wristband in there. I felt extremely <laughs> old, extremely uh... old. There was, there were some, there were some teenagers next to me. There was a group of three of them and they were doing something that I can only describe like this. One of them had like a vape pen or, you know, like a, a mod or something like that. And they would just take a big hit off the vape and then, you know, exhale a cloud very close to one of the other people's face. And that person would inhale the exhaled vape in and then they would exhale it out to the third person. They just kept swapping the vape back and forth forever. I think that's what the kids call a rainbow party. <laughs> no, that, um, that was a bad joke. That's that actually seems a... gross. Yeah, no. I, I, I'm I'm 24 years old. I felt extremely old at that party. So oh, now uh, I feel super I, old. Yeah, the it's music happened. was fine, but it was just not what I was expecting, and uh, I was well above the uh, the the target demographic for that specific party, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I feel like raves now and, like, parties like that, they all tend to kind of try to be, like, the kind of thing that you would see in a movie where there was a rave scene more so than, like, something like an actual rave was. Although some of those Electric Daisy Festival things do look pretty cool, I got to admit, out in, uh, San, out, in, out in Las Vegas. But I don't think I can handle it. I can I can't like that's my problem with like raves, raves culture is like I just don't like being around people. And when people are too <laughs> nice, like I I feel like they've got like an ulterior motive. Yeah. You know, like I, I feel like ravers are just too nice. Like they what 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 do you want from me, buddy? What do you why don't you just like stop jerking me around here? Why don't you tell me what you really want? Yeah, it, I mean, raves would be great <laughs> if it weren't for all the other people. Like, if it was just a dark room with glow sticks and flashing lights and a lot of bass and you and a DJ. If it was just me, a bunch of my close friends, and maybe some, like, girls in, in mini skirts with hula hoops. Yeah, and some lasers. Okay, sure. But a bunch of people, like, annoying me. And all that stuff, and like then like increase increase that to like hundreds of thousands of people, maybe well, not hundreds of thousands, but we'll say thousands of people possibly annoying me with their stupidness. Like, <laughs> like 
That's I don't know. That's why it makes it tough for me to go anywhere, really, though. Yeah. So why single yeah. out raves? Why single out raves? I'm just gonna. I don't know. I think another thing. I feel like you know the music is really impersonal. Like I feel like there's a huge detachment between like the audience and the performer. Like I know like some DJs try and you know do stuff, but like it's really tough. It's really tough to like get an audience's attention and hold it and like. Yeah, and I mean, this is probably got to be uh, a problem for you as well, Mr. Petroform. Like, how do you, yeah, how do you maintain, like, an audience's attention, like, throughout a show? Like, what are, I mean, we've talked about you throwing out glow sticks and jumping around, but, like, what are some other tactics you use to really, like, pull people in? It's a challenge, definitely. It's a challenge. Um, yeah, like you said, I jump around a lot. I ask people to clap. Uh, I dance around when I have room to. Uh, the new album has some some songs with lyrics that I can ask people to sing along, the, the nice sing-along repetitive parts, which I did recently, and you can engage people that way. But yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty difficult for me just being, you know, a solo musician who's not really playing any instruments aside from a MIDI controller. So... I do have to do those things. I do have to jump around and uh, I feel like I do lose parts of the audience sometimes. And sometimes, you know, I see it happen. Some people who were previously engaged or, you know, walk away to do something else. And it's like, you know, it doesn't feel good, but you know, I just have to practice and get better at it, I suppose. What about, what about hip hop classes? Like learn how to do some like modern, modern hip hop dancing, you know, for the kids. You should have a breakdance pad that's also a MIDI controller. That would be very good. I should get one of those uh, those uh, Nintendo power pad things that look like the Dance Dance Revolution mats yeah. and just like put that through those, you know, NES to USB converters and see how I could put that together. For sure. I have never oh, seen man. anyone do that. That would be pretty dope. Dude, own that shit. That would be own totally that. tubular. Take, I would I would pay extra to see you do that if I'm being quite honest I would that would give you twice I would like if I if I paid to get into a show and you were doing that I would go up to you afterwards and hand you the exact amount of the ticket so you wouldn't even have to split that between the five or six other bands that you know we're always forced to play with because there's always like every 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 show now seems to be at least four bands and devin nixon is drumming for all of them devin if it's a chiptune show <laughs> devin nixon will be in every band that features live drums because he is the only drummer anyone knows in the chiptunes devin nixon if there's ever like a chiptunes hall of fame like he should be the first inductee absolutely devin is great he, he doesn't even play a Game Boy or anything like that. He's just a, he's a wonderful drummer. <laughs> first first one in the Chiptunes Hall of Fame. Not even a, a not even a Chiptunes composer. Yeah, he was on tour recently with uh, Vile Augury. Came through Portland. I saw him at some local club with a lot of like cow skulls and tentacles on the wall. It's pretty cool. Yeah, he's in the spooky scene, which is kind of surprising. Like. You know, because he doesn't seem like a spooky guy. Then he's totally a spooky guy. 
he can smear his mascara with the best of them. Oh yeah, he smears the fuck out of that mascara. Paul, Paul, are you a spooky guy, Paul? Like, do you, when when you're when we're not around, are you like burning red candles out of like plastic skulls? I will plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> Do you have any spooky makeup technique tips for our listeners? Not especially. What I want to do one day, and it's too late to do this for Halloween this year, I want to I wanna, uh, paint my face like Sting, the professional wrestler. Classic uh, crow Sting makeup. I think I could pull that off. Oh, you could totally pull that off. Would you be wearing, like, all leather? Like and some electrical tape, I think. I can't. What did you around his waist back in the day? It's, aside from his regular, you know, wrestling attire, I can't really say if he had uh, much special on that I could imitate with my budget. <laughs> would you have the leotard though? Please tell me you have the leotard. I would. I would attempt that. I'd have the bat for sure. That's well. That's that's good. But I really, I I think we're gonna have to do like a like a Kickstarter here, to get you uh, to get you a full on Sting costume. That'd and be very nice. We can get you a personal trainer. Get you get you ripped. Get you some steroids. Really, really get you small. Diesel up. Yeah. Get get all get so diesel. To the VIN. To the maximum VIN. Get you hard as a rock. Speaking of rocks. <laughs> Excellent segue, sir. Speaking of rocks, we'd like to do a little game here called Cartoon Violence's Top 5 Song List Game. Uh, that's <laughs> roughly the title. I don't think we've ever given it a real title. It has a real hashtag that nobody except us has ever used. We the hashtags aren't real. No, they're not. They don't exist in reality. They're only on a computer, so we have nothing. <laughs> we have a top five game. It's true. So, which exists on a podcast on the internet. <laughs> Insert theme song here. Top five. Cartoon Violence has a podcast. Listen to our lists. They're full of interesting songs. Learn about our music tastes. It's the Cartoon Violence has a podcast top five lists. Hashtag CV5. It is the recurring segment. So, uh, so you you you're no uh, you're no stranger to this game. You know how it works. For the most part, yes, I do. I do. All so right. yeah, this this month's theme is top five rock songs, and by rock we don't mean like ACDC's like entire catalog of songs with the word rock or rock and roll in them. What we mean is like actual rocks. Stones, minerals. Stones, about rock. Songs about rocks. And then, uh, so when when we buzz in, we, you know, it, our buzzer noise 
is just going to be a, a meh. So yeah. if somebody says something that's on any of your lists, just make a meh sound. And then you got to fight. What are we going to do to fight? I don't know. I always pick the fighting game. So I was like, why is it always got to be me doing all the game picking stuff? I'd say rock, paper, scissors, but that's hard to do over a hangout. Yeah. Uh, no one's, you're not going to be able to see what I'm actually picking. Yeah. So, um, so I think we should do it like, what rock am I thinking of? Okay. Closest, closest to the rock you're thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Th- through whatever measure of closeness you choose to use yeah. at the time. We'll, All right. We'll figure it out. Okay. All sounds right. good. So, so Petroform, since you are our guest, you get to go first. Number five. All right. My number five is. Hand of Stone by Mastodon. Ooh, you started with a brutal song. That do you, are you familiar with? Are you familiar with Mastodon? Doc Octave? N- no, they're not a band I've ever like listened to a full album of, but I've heard songs here and there. God, I'm pretty sure I've seen them live before. They tore it up. Mastodon is good. They're Canadian yeah. too, aren't they? I think they're from Atlanta. I don't think they're from Canada. South Canada. That's pretty close to Canada. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm thinking of uh, Three Inches of Blood, because I think I saw them on the same tour. The world may never know. Do you want to go next, or should I? Uh, You know what? I want to go next. I'd do it. All right. Sink Like Stones by the Deadly Snakes, a song that's actually about sinking like a stone. Hasn't that been on another one of your lists? I think it has. I think it has ended up on another one of my lists. I was thinking about that before. Yeah. But, but you know, it can be multiple top fives. It's true. Like, it's that good of a song. Uh, so people need to listen to it. It's going to end up on my list until everyone in the world's heard it. All right. Uh, let's see. For, num- for my number five, let me go with uh, Turn to Stone by ELO. Prog rock. In my feed, there's a certain somebody who posted pictures from the Hollywood Bowl of an ELO concert very recently, and I was very jealous. Well, screw that person. They don't have a podcast. They they don't. So who cares what they (laughs) think or if they saw a band you like? You'll see bands they you'll see bands that they like that they won't see. So, you know, you just got to let some you got to let those uh, hard to reach chips go sometimes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. All right. Number four, <laughs> Petroform. All right. My number four is Diamond Eyes by Deftones. Man, you were you, you know, I would not have seen like the heavy stuff, but like you're 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 a secret metalhead, I think. Or maybe not. Maybe not a secret. Maybe I just don't know you well enough to really know the you that is metal. I don't know. I don't listen to a whole bunch of metal. Uh, it's actually funny when you were uh, bringing up uh, uh, seeing Mastodon live. I've seen them as well, where they were the opening act for a bill that also included Deftones. So I saw them on the same night. Wow. And, and that is also where I heard the song Diamond Eyes for the first time. And they're like, I was not too familiar with Deftones prior to that. I don't know how they had managed to avoid me my entire life. And and you were like, man, I got to remember this song because one day I'm going to have to make a top five songs about rocks list. 
Yes, absolutely. And it led and it led you to here. Yep. And that that was almost six years ago to the day. I'd have to look up the actual day of that concert, but it was it was in I wanna say mid October of twenty ten. Man, god damn, I can't believe twenty ten was almost seven years ago now. Uh I don't wanna talk about it. I just wanna I guess it's my my turn. Yeah, right? just talk about your number four. I oh. guess I'll just talk about my number four instead. Rainy Day Women, number 12 and 34 by Bob Dylan. Okay. Because, I mean, like, sure, you could argue that he's talking about smoking weed, but really I think it's about having rocks thrown at you. Yeah, I think they'll stone you when you, uh, when you put when that you're... on your list. Yeah, and then everybody must get stoned because we're all sinners in the eyes of our Lord God. Sure. So really, really, it's all it's all just a religious biblicism. Bringing it back home. That's that's what I went with. All, all right, right, Doc. You know what that means. You know, I know the one that you're gonna collide on, and I I I kind of know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've got my hand on the my imaginary buzzer, just ready to buzz. I'm like, oh, he's gonna say it this time. Should I just get out of the way, and we'll we'll see who needs to put other songs on their list. Let's yeah, do it. Let's Number four. Happens. Number four song about a rock, I Want a Rock by They Might Be Giants. It's actually We Want a Rock. We Want a Rock. My so, my apologies. Yeah, so I think I should win <laughs> just by that. <laughs> yeah, that is a foul. <laughs> it, Party foul. Okay, so we're not even going to get uh, to picking our favorite no, rock that we're thinking no, of? No, 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 no. So, Petroform, if you don't mind, I want you to think of a rock. And then me and the doctor here are going to try and guess what rock you're thinking of. And the closest to that rock is who gets to keep the song on their list. All right. So, I, I, have a, I have a rock in mind. All right. I'm visualizing it. It's there. All right. So I'm going to go. I'm going to guess that you are visualizing an obsidian rock. I'm going to go with the quartz crystal. So what was your rock? My rock was a smooth skipping stone. Ooh, I think that's closer to obsidian. I think obsidian's a smoother stone than a quartz. Yeah, on yeah. All right, yeah. fine. You, you, yeah. you rock it, rocks. Congratulations. I'll let you. Yeah. I'll let you keep that. They might be giant song on your list. All um, right. I'll I'll go. Uh, let's go. Rock of Ages by Def Leppard. Yeah, oh man, wait, did that make my list? No, it didn't. I'm really surprised it didn't. That song was huge for me when I was like 10 years old. Dude, that song that song was one of the first songs I thought of, but then I also knew that you would probably put it on your list. So that would have been a double buzzer right there. That would have been double buzz. Yeah, and I want, I want to keep the excitement going. So All I right, guess number that... three, let's take another round. All right. My number three is Sticks and, wait for it, Stones by Alien Ant Farm. Ah. It's about Damn. breaking bones. They they hurt when you shoot them through the phone, according to the lead singer of Alien Ant Farm. So they may be metaphorical rocks, but those are still rocks. Oh. He's being told off over the phone and called names. He's an emotional guy. That's the one thing you gotta know about Alien Ant Farm. Is that they're emotional. Yeah. 
They definitely emote in their so, tiny little vertical landscape with the farmhouse. Okay, so I guess it's my turn. I guess. Uh, we want to rock, but they might be giants. Oh my god, what a great song! But uh, but I really want to tell you this alternate one because it's really funny. Uh, "Ba Wa Da Ba" by Kid Rock. <laughs> Because it's Kid Rock, man. All of his songs. I could have just done an entire top five of Kid Rock songs. Because he's made of rock. That's why he's called Kid Rock. That's true. He's not just <laughs> called Kid Rock. His name is Kid... Kid Rock. There you see. Petroform knows what's up. Yeah. And he also <laughs> traveled with a smaller boulder that broke off of him. Yeah. <laughs> But then that boulder died. Oh, oh. R.I.P. Boulder. It's funny how like Kid Rock's like you can follow the trajectory of his career by like, oh, with with dwarf and without dwarf, and like you just see like this stock, the Kid Rock stock just plummet once his dwarf passes. All right. All right. I guess that means it's time my for number, your three. number three. Let's do it. Let's let's go. No dwarves. Uh, I'll go rock lobster by the B fifty twos. That's technically about a lobster. I would say that the rock, while not being the Dude. primary subject of the song, like there are lines Dude. about the rock that it's no. Under. They thought they saw a rock, but it wasn't a rock. It was a rock. Lobster. But for that one line of the song, before it was revealed that it was a rock lobster, in that so, moment in time, it was a rock. And I know this because it was on my alternates list. I don't know if I need to buzz in for that. No, you don't need to buzz for your alts. But yeah, I guess I guess if like you know, there's a consensus here. I can't really go against it, but I know in my heart that it wasn't a rock. It was a rock lobster. Still. Without the rock, what is a rock lobster? It's, it's just a lobster. Just, it's just a jagged lobster. And the song isn't called Jagged Lobster. The song no, is called the, Rock Lobster. Isn't that an Alanis Morissette album? Jagged Little Lobster, yeah. Jagged it's all little... about Dave Coulier and how he has these lobster hands. Him and his lobster hands. Yeah. So I guess that brings us to Petroform's number two. My <laughs> number two is mountain song by jane's addiction because what is a mountain if not a very large rock Ooh, i like whoa. it whoa that's that's very zen like i i feel like i gotta go meditate under a bodhi tree and think about that one for about 30 40 minutes do you want me to take over your life. number two or you you, you got it you gotta no. do that you do that oh afterwards. man no i have this number two and you know why i have this number two please tell because... me about your number two because I am a rock. I am an island. Ooh, buzz. And a buzz, rock buzz, feels buzz, no pain. Buzz, Ooh. I'm buzzing. <laughs> it's oh, on my alternates, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys uh, guess what rock I'm thinking of and go. All right. Petroform, you're the guest, so you can go first. I am imagining a brick. Uh, I'm imagining limestone. Okay, I was thinking of a geode, so I think limestone's probably closer to geode than brick. But um, uh, but I don't know. It's it's neither of them are really geode like. 
Like I feel, yeah, I feel like that could go. Do either we need way. a tiebreaker, Rock? No, you you have to you have to call the shot. You have to decide which was closer. All right. Well, because you, I think lime limestone. Limestone is uh, it's at least more natural than brick, so I think that right. that takes it. Woo-hoo. I keep my Simon and Garfunkel and Petroform. You've got until uh, Doc Octaves is uh, done with his number two. <laughs> to uh, think of your new number one, and believe me, Doc Octaves likes to take his time with his number twos. Hey, so. hey, as hey, do I. Yeah, this this it's number fine. two has three syllables, so I can really stretch it out. All right, this one is volcano. In the spirit of the mountain song, volcano by Presidency of the United States of America, molten magma, lava, is just hot rocks. That's true. Yeah. I guess, I guess, you know, yeah, it comes out of a mountain. It's all just hot rocks. Hot rocks. Not pop rocks. No, not pop rocks. Pop rocks did not come up. I think if you, you know, put pop rocks in a volcano, then the volcano goddess would belch. So, have you decided upon your number one yet, Petroform? Yes, I have. Are you prepared for the world to know it? Channel 10 MIDI drum roll, please. <laughs> well, as it was revealed earlier, my number one was going to be I Am A Rock by Simon and Garfunkel. But my alternate number one is the 2003 to 2004 heel theme by Jim Johnston of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The Rock. Ooh, damn. That's a rock person. That's, see, there we go. You have, I like where this, I like, see, I like where this top five went. I really do. (laughs) I feel like there's been a lot of, a lot of creative songs here. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of cleverness on your guys' part. I think I was a little more, a little more literal with my choices, except for the Everybody Must Get Stoned. Which I think but, we all went there. I mean, it was on my alternate yeah. list. Yeah, but uh, but I think I'm about to blow your minds because like a that was no, like a Rolling Stone oh. by Bob Dylan. Set me up for that one. Thank you very much. Yeah, dude, this song is freaking awesome. Come on, I cannot. I honestly, as as wonderful as your guys' lists are, I mean, I really don't think that there's a better song about what it's like to be a rock. Like he really captured the essence of. I what actually it is. think you know. No offense, I think there is exactly one song that better captures the essence of what it's like to be a rock, and it's my number one, "The Statue Got Me High" by They Might Be Giants. A monument of granite sent a beam into my eye. The stone it spoke to me. And now I see the things, the stone has but shown that, to me. But that doesn't really tell you what it's like to be a stone. That's just what it's like to get high from a statue. Well, in the end, uh, what you'll find is just a statue standing where the statue got me high. That's a personal origin story of a person made of stone. That's kind of beautiful, but then it's not really about their life after they became stone. It's really about the transitional period. Sure. I mean, life is a series of transitional periods. So, honorable mention here. Ages. I have to, Stone ages. I, I, 
I gotta bring up this song just because I discovered it while uh, looking for songs about rocks. And uh, because I decided, well, crack rocks are rocks. Oh, Jesus. So I looked, I put in crack rock song to YouTube, and I found a wonderful classic ditty from the early 90s called Your Mama's on Crack Rock by the Dogs. And okay. like, and I it's really. It's not hope your number one? It's not my number one, but it should be everybody's number one thing that they do after listening to this podcast. Is go go to YouTube, look up your mama's on crack rock by the, the by the dogs, and just like see what the pinnacle of musicianship was in '91. Like, because it's really nothing better or more brilliant or more just I don't know magical has been done since then. Or really before then. So uh, go ahead and check that out, kids. You could say that that uh, was the peak of music. And a peak is also a rock. Heyo. Oh, damn. Bringing it's it all back sorts home. Of rock. Man, no one, no, one, no one went with fossils for no. what they were thinking of. That would have no. been... That would have been... On theme, I feel. I think, but I, but I think these were still some brilliant top five lists, gentlemen. There's more songs about stones and rocks than fossils, at least that come to my mind. Yeah. Oh, you know, the only thing I could think of that had to do with like crystals was uh, the Steven Universe theme. Oh, the crystal gems. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that that I was really hoping that there would be more conflict because I had so many good backups. Yeah, I, I tried to diversify because I had like a Rolling Stone in my alternates because I was like, ah, oh, someone's going to pick that for sure. Yeah, yeah there's a, there's like definitely a psychological game that goes to it that I love that nobody else really understands. But, you know, if you guys can think of any other top five songs about rocks or just any songs about rocks in general, feel free to tweet them at us over at Cartoon Violence. Uh, Petroform, are you on the social medias? Yes, I am. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr and all of that. And if you type Petroform in there, you can find it. P-E-T-R-I-F-O-R-M. And you can go to Petroform.com and uh, get connected to everything, ever. Ever. And Petroform, we, we hope that you're doing well, man. Thank you very much for opening up about everything and... Like, uh, you know, we're we're always here to give you hugs and kisses if you need them. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, is there any message that you want to send out to your fans or maybe people that are going through the same stuff as you dealing with their own depression? Probably, if you can, get help. That's uh, the most important thing I would say. You know, when you need help, it's kind of difficult to explore it just because of this, the, uh, you know, the mental state you're in. You can, you can tend to make up excuses and just, uh, you know, start actually believing that there isn't help. So there is help and you should get it if you need it. Yeah. More often than not, I think there, people are, people are willing and more than happy to give you a hand any way they can, but they just don't know that you need it. Absolutely. So, so yeah. So don't be afraid to share, kids, because we love you very much. 
And, uh, and we love you so much. We want to hang out with you more. And so come on by our Facebook, The Real Cartoon Violence. And, uh, go to our website, cartoonviolencemusic.com. Buy a shirt off our Threadless. And uh, I'll draw you as a taco. And I think we're going to have a little bit of a sale coming up here in November. So uh, watch our uh, watch our Facebook page and our website for more details on that. And uh, other than that, Petroform, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to converse with you. Go buy his new album right now. Like, just go on the internet. Go there to the interwebs and buy Don't Worry, You're Great off of his website or any other place that sells it. You can get it at petroform.com and you can name your price for it. And uh, I'm actually sold out of the CD now, but I'm going to be restocking it very soon. And you can buy that too. So why the hell not? Yeah. All right. Guys, we will catch you next time with a very special Christmas episode. I have no idea what it's going to be, but I have some really cool ideas, and I'm hoping that the doctor is down with some of them. So uh, stay tuned for more. Bye-bye. All right. right. Thanks for having a podcast with us. Thank you. Thank you.